This is LEC Online Church. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. We are continuing our growth series that we have been doing now for quite a few weeks. When you came in today, you should have received a handout that is entitled, What is Sin? And if you don't have one of those, I would encourage you to get the attention of an usher. And if our ushers will just get into the aisles so that people can get your attention uh, and have those. The reason that we're doing it this way is that we believe that you should write down everything that God says to you. And it is my conviction that if you don't write down what God says to you, you will not remember it. So the outline is given to you so that you can write down the things that you want to remember that you believe God is saying to you. I'm, I'm just thrilled at what's happening as we do this because this series is about exploring the foundations of our faith. What we believe, why we believe it. We have a lot of new people that are now a part of our church. Uh, I think we're tracking more than 60 new people that have been a part of our church since January. And so we are trying to make sure that you know about the kind of church that we are and what the foundations of our faith experience are. But it's more than just that because we want you to be able to talk to people about faith. Every day you're at work or at school or in the neighborhood and there are people that do not know Jesus, they do not know the Lord and they don't know much about the Lord. In fact, most of what they know about faith is they've seen on Facebook, which is the worst place to learn about Jesus. Seriously. And if you're a Christian and you're on Facebook and you're screaming and hollering at people debating Scripture, please stop. You're giving Jesus a bad name. Talk to people, communicate with people, and we want you to be empowered to that. We talked on the very first week. We had a young girl who's a seven-year-old girl come and sit on the stage with us. We'll have another young man next week that's going to be a part of this. And we talked about the things that we truly believe here at Lake Erie. We are teaching our children. So if you want to know what we believe, talk to the kids. That's what we're telling them, what we truly believe. And so we have a responsibility, a, a legacy, if you please, to pass on the faith. One of the saddest scriptures in the Bible is in Judges 2.10. When the Bible said, there grew up a generation which did not know the Lord, and they did not know the mighty miracles that God had done in their time. These are the grandchildren of Moses. Now stop and think about that a moment. You're talking about our grandchildren do not know the Lord and they do not know what we believe. That's what we want to prevent here because we believe that generations matter. And I want to make sure that Charles Mullins' faith is transferred to, to Kai Fellenstein one of our tweens. 
I want to make sure that the granddaughter of Willie Morgan grows up to know what he believes about Christ. And that's what I think this whole series has been about. The first week we talked about who is God. And we talked about the existence of God and why God exists and how we know that God exists. And then the next week we talked about who I am. Being in touch with who I am, knowing that I am a created, a, a creation of God. I'm not a, a, I'm not a product of evolution. I'm not the extension of some process. I am in fact a deliberate and intentional creation of God. That He made me the way that I am. And He did so because He had a purpose and a plan. This morning we are going to attempt to answer the question... What is sin? So turn to your neighbor and look them in the eye and ask them, What is sin? Now, I felt like I needed to give a disclaimer right here. Now, Pastor Jerome and I, we come from a very unique tribe. We are both PKs. We grew up as preacher's kids. And he's going to know exactly what I'm saying. My grandfather used to have a phrase. He would say, by the help and grace of God, I'm going to name sin this morning. I'm not going to do that. That's not my responsibility this morning. In fact, I'm going to tell you, I'm not really sure how much good we did when we publicly embarrassed people by calling them out for their sin. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave that to God. I'm going to preach the truth to you this morning and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you while I'm talking. In fact, my prayer has been, my last prayer before I walked out of my office this morning was, Lord, let the words that come out of my mouth be the words that you specifically want somebody to hear and help their heart to be open to receive that and I trust that that's going to happen because sin is a very important topic and we need to know what sin is so that we can avoid it in our life and so as we go along this morning I'm sure you're going to have questions and as we've done in each of these I'm going to put a number up on the screen you cannot order your lunch with that number but you can ask any question that arises during this message this morning. And I promise you before I go to bed tonight, I will respond to that text. Because I want you to have the answers that you need from this message today. We've been doing this now for several weeks and I've loved it. I, I love that sometimes I've provoked you in a way that has caused you to perhaps think more about what you believe. There have been a few that have asked really, really valid questions about family situations and circumstances and their own life, their own situations. And I want God to help us and I want there to be an exchange in our community so that you can find the answers that you need. So let's bow our heads to pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege to be able to to present this message. 
You said that your word was like a fire or a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now for every person that's hearing me or will hear me. Maybe somebody's going to be driving down the road listening to our podcast in a week or two. I just pray for that person right now, proactively, that the Word of God will penetrate their heart and that each of us in our own way will respond to God and lean into God. Somebody in this place needs you today. Help us to accept you and receive you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 6. I'm going to just let you remain seated this morning for the scripture. But I would encourage you sometime this week to read the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. So maybe mark it in a way, stick something in your Bible so you can go back and read it. It's such a powerful chapter. There's so much I decided not to read the whole chapter. But in Romans chapter 6, if you do have your Bible, it will not be on the screen. I'm going to read through several of the verses that will build a context for what I'm going to say. And I'm going to start with verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And then in verse 12, he says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead and now you have new life. Verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. But what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things that you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin... And have become slaves of God. Now you do those things which lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And then finally verse 23. It is on the screen. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you read that out loud with me one time? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to try to answer three questions about sin. The first question is, in fact, what is sin? The second question is, 
Why does God hate sin? And the third question is, what can we do about our sin? First question, what is sin? Well, sin is our intentional and personal choice to live apart from God. Sin is not an act. Sin is an attitude. You and I could come up with a dozen things on an inexhaustible list that are sin. Lying, cheating, adultery. You could could just stand there and name them all. But all of them have the same root. Those are acts, but that's not the root of your sin. Your sin is the intentional, personal choice to live apart from God. And all of them are a stubborn pride. A stubborn pride that you and I can live without God in our life. You you name any sin that you've ever committed. And at its root is this stubborn pride that we have that we don't have to have God in our life. That we can be happy, we can be fulfilled, and we can do it without God. So sin is the intentional personal choice to live apart from God. Sin is the force that gives us the power to resist God's word. It's sin that causes us to say, well, I'm not going to do that. It's our pride that sin gives us the force to be able to reject God's word and say, I won't live by what God says. Sin is the force that gives you the power to resist God's word. Sin is any opinion that is contrary to God's opinion. Sin is any opinion that is contrary to God's opinion. And all three of these you see in the book of Genesis chapter 3 where sin originates. Because sin is an offense against God. Now in a perfect world, perfectly created world, Adam and Eve Eve live with only one command from God that they not eat from a particular tree. God set them in the garden and said, you can have dominion over everything that's here. You cannot eat from that tree. What the serpent was able to do was to tap into the stubborn pride of Adam and Eve to say, how can God refuse us if we want it? And what happened was, God's opinion was less important than their own personal desire. I want it. And if I want it, how dare God tell me I can't have it? So I want it. And that, can you see that? That's at the root of every sin. It's at the root of every decision that we make to live our lives apart from God. You're married but you get your eyes on somebody else and you want it and your attitude is how dare God tell me I can't have it. You decide that you want to tell something that isn't true 
You make that decision because you decided that your opinion was more than God's opinion that said don't lie. And what happens is the devil was able to tap into something that caused Adam and Eve to choose to be in opposition to what God said. He provoked the pride of Adam and Eve that they wanted to make their own decisions even if they were contrary to God's command. Sin always happens when we choose our desires over God's plans because sin is an offense against God. Sin sets itself against God's love for us. Sin sets us in opposition to God's love. That His love is not enough. That the love of God is not enough and I need this. I want this. I want to control my own life. Whether He loves me or not, I want to do my own thing. And sin turns our heart away from God. And like Adam and Eve, our disobedience becomes a revolt against God because of our desire to make our own choices. Sin, in fact, is the love of yourself more than a love for God. Why does God hate sin? I told you when we began, I... I, I text with some of the leading pastors that I know in the world. And it was interesting to listen to pastors talk about why God hates sin. Because God in fact does hate sin. God hates it. Here's what, I, here's what I'm telling you this morning. The bottom line is this. God hates sin because it prevents God from being able to walk with you. You remember the first week we talked about the fact that in the garden Adam would walk with the Lord every night, every evening at the cool of the evening. The Bible said he and Adam would walk together in the cool of the evening. Two friends walking together until Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, God said, I can't walk with you anymore because God is holy and he's righteous and he cannot and will not be involved with sin. And so when you and I partake in sin, God can't walk with us anymore. And what God wants more than anything is for you and He to be able to walk together in fellowship, in relationship. And so when sin enters our lives, it prevents God from being able to walk with us. That's why He hates it. God gave every person in this room, every person who's watching, every person who will listen to me, every person has the right to choose. Remember two weeks ago we talked about being created in the image of God? That part of that image of God is the ability for us to reason and to choose. You chose the outfit that you wore today. God gave you, that's the image of God at work in you. You're creating the image of God because you have the right to choose. And that right to choose is what Adam and Eve got in trouble with because they chose their way over God's way. God hates sin because sin changed the plans that God had for Adam and Eve. And when you and I choose sin, no matter what it is, how innocent it may feel, no matter how simple it may be, 
Anytime that we choose sin, we are choosing our way instead of the opportunity to walk with God. And God hates it. He hates it because He loves you. And His greatest desire is to have... He created you for the very purpose that we talked about this morning, for worship and relationship. You feel the closest to God when you are worshiping Him. You feel closest to God when you are expressing your heart and He's expressing His heart to you. When you're in a relationship with God, you are the closest to God. And when sin is in your heart, you don't get that opportunity because God does not fellowship with sin. So hear me. Everybody just sit up real straight and listen to me very carefully now. I'm about to say something really important. God does not hate you because you're a sinner. I can't tell you the number of people over the years that I've talked to who feel like that God hates them because of what they've done. Maybe you have messed your life up. Maybe you've made some horrible choices. Maybe you've done some things in your life that you deeply regret, but God does not hate you for the choices that you made. God does not hate you he hates the sin that keeps him from being able to have a relationship with you. He hates the fact that you chose that over him. And so he doesn't hate you because you're a sinner. He hates all sin. Here's another thing. I don't want you to miss this. With God... Every sin is the same. God doesn't rank sin and say, well, this sin right here is a whole lot worse than this sin. That's what we do. We say, well, you know, at least I didn't rob a bank. No, all sin is the same. God doesn't rank sin. That's hard for us to understand because there are certain sins in our head that we're absolutely sure that that's a worse sin than what we did. And that's our problem because we don't understand that with God all sin is the same. You read through the Bible, you will, you will read that he has in the same place, in the same place where he talks about homosexuality or, or adultery or, or all that he says, gossip, lying, it's all the same to God. You talk about other people, it's the same thing that God is robbing a bank. Now I know my boys will be listening to this and I know they're chuckling right now because when they were, when they were little and we would go to a, a motel or whatever and we would go to the drink box, uh, Cassie, I'd put the money in the drink box and instead of one drink coming down, two drinks came down. And the boys would go, yay! I said, no, no boy, that, boy, that other drink goes back to the office. Why? And this was my line. If you'll steal from a Coke bottle box, you'll steal from a bank. And all through the years, our boys have had that. You know what Dad says? Dad says, if you drive three miles over the speed limit, you'll kill somebody the next time you see them. So I know if they're hearing me, they're going to laugh about that. But here's the point. With God, there is no differentiation about sin. God sees it all the same. And that's why each and every one of us have to come to Calvary to be forgiven. 
Everybody in this room has had their sin. He doesn't regard any of our sins differently. He doesn't view people in here differently. Some of you have committed crimes against society and you've paid your price and gone to jail for that. Others of you have committed crime and you didn't go to jail for what you did. God views it just the same. Just the same. God does not hate sinners. In fact, the Bible is very clear. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish. Next verse. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come here to accuse you. He didn't come here to make you feel bad. He did not come here to make you feel guilty. He came so that you might believe on Jesus Christ and be saved. God does not hate sinners. What about the people that don't believe in God? How does he feel about them? Same way. You know, I, I see people sometimes on TV that, you know, act out and make statements about God. And Hey, God loves every person that he ever made. And whether you serve him or deny him or say that he doesn't exist, it doesn't change the love of God. There isn't anything that you can do in your life that will cause God to stop loving you. You hear what I'm saying? There is nothing that you can do in your lifetime that is ever going to stop God from loving you. You shoot your veins full of, of, of any chemical you want. You drink yourself until you don't even know where you are. You do whatever you think you need to do, but you will not change the love of God for you. Neither height nor depth nor any creature, he said, can stop God from loving us. Because God loves every person. Now God could very easily have made a world without a devil and without a choice, couldn't he? You ever wondered why didn't God just do that? Why didn't God just take that away? Very simply. Then you would love God out of obligation, not because you wanted to. You see, what God wants you to do is love Him because you want to. He wants that image of God, that Agnes Deo we talked about a few weeks ago. He wants you to use that reasoning and that choosing and say, I choose you. I choose Jesus. I get to make that choice. Nobody can make that for me. Nobody can decide for me. But I choose Jesus. We can be like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I get to choose Jesus. And that's why he did it the way that he did. But we will always, always, always deal with temptation to sin. Students, Elijah, look here. Pick out the oldest person in the building. Not now. I know. You were looking right at Jason Saunders, but he's not the oldest person. But you can pick, Elijah, you can pick out the oldest person in the room, and you know what they're going to tell you? 
they still deal with temptation. Yeah. Now, they might, may not have the same temptations that you do, but they have temptation. And I'm trying to, I, want, I said that to say this, that all of you need to understand, you're always going to deal with temptation. You're never going to be holy enough. You're never going to be churchy enough. You're never going to have enough of God that you're not going to have to deal with temptations. The temptation to sin is never going to go away. And I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I'm just trying to be real with you. Some of my temptations are really weird. You ever had weird temptations? I'm standing on the elevator. I'm exhausted, tired. Stay in the elevator. I actually have my eyes closed, and the door opens, and a guy gets on the elevator who could be the biggest person I've ever met in my life. Ginormous guy. He gets on the elevator, stands beside me, and I, politely I went, how you doing? Closed my eyes, and the thought went through my head, why don't you haul off and slap him? Two reasons I did not do that. One is I don't slap people. And then number two, I'm figuring if I slap him, he's going to slap me. Isn't that a weird temptation? Now you're laughing, but we'll talk about your temptations after church. All right, let's get serious. I'm driving down the highway. I'm deeply troubled. I'm very emotionally caught up in something. And I'm driving down the highway. And the thought came in my head. You know how to get through all this? How to get past it? To steer your car right into the path of that car. And you'll never have to deal with it again. What a crazy temptation. I am full of the Holy Spirit. And yet the devil found me in a weak place like he did Adam and Eve. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because see, some of you, the devil, some of you, the devil's been beating you up because of your temptations telling you you're not saved. If you have a thought like that, you're not saved. I'm telling you, it's not a sin to be tempted. Turn to your neighbor, tell them. Pastor said it's not a sin to be tempted. Not a sin to be tempted. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible said there is no temptation that will overtake you that is not common to all men. It means that everybody is tempted, but it also tells us that not everybody is tempted with the same thing. Here's an example. And I'm talking about me now. You could walk up here and you could pop the top on a can of the best beer that has ever been made and drop it right here on this table and make me stand here beside it until I collapse, and I'm pretty sure I'm never going to be tempted to drink it. Because it's not a problem for me. Never has been. 
But for some of you, just hearing me talk about it makes the inside of your mouth water up. Because it's a weakness for you. That's what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 10. There is no temptation, but such is common to all men. But God is faithful, meaning God knows that we're tempted. The psalmist said God knows that we're dust. He knows how weak we are. He is faithful that we will never be tempted above what we are able to bear. Are you listening? It means that God is not going to let the devil tempt you at a level that you can't walk away. You, you cannot blame God or the devil for your sin. Because you're going to make a choice and God's going to make sure that that decision is not going to be more than you can handle. He is equipping you to handle the temptation that you're dealing with. And then he says this. He said, he will always provide a way that you can escape it. I can't tell you the number of times that, that that's happened to me. Something happens that just gets your attention and helps you to realize this is not the right spot for you. It's not the right place for you. Get out of here. Don't do that. Don't think that. Don't go there. Don't say that. God is faithful. A number of years ago when my sister was going through a really tough time, we were talking on the phone every night. And she was lamenting to me what was going on and the emotional struggles that she was going through. And she kept saying, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can. I said, listen, listen, Lynn. Listen to what the Bible says. Apparently, I said, God has confidence in you because he said he would never let your load be more than you could handle. So whatever you're facing, God has confidence in you that you're going to be able to navigate this. And he's going to make a way for you to be able to get to deal with it. The point I want you to get before we wrap this up is that God hates sin because of what it does to your relationship with Him, but He still requires you to make the choice. Third and last question. What is sin? Why does God hate sin? What can we do about our sin? Because we've all got a sin problem. Look at the screen. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. Notice the four statements that start with the word if. If we walk in the light as he is in the light himself, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just or righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar. And his word is not in us. What is, what is John saying? John's saying, let's admit the, the fact that the problem with sin is me. Let's own it for what it is. It's me. I said this last year and I had some of you that 
you push back just a little bit because you didn't quite understand what I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying. It's my conviction. I believe it. I am the worst sinner that I know. Because the problem with sin is me. It's not my neighbor. It's not the way I was raised. It's not whether I had or did not have. It's me. It's my pride issue. It's the reason that sin is a problem is because we're of our pride. We want our way. We want it our way. We are individuals and we have a strong will. And we want to do it our way. And so we are constantly in this tension that we talk about a lot between whether it's going to be our way or God's way. Do we want God's way? Do we want our way? I wish we could all say with joy, I've always chosen God's way. But it wouldn't be true. Because we've all had to go back to the altar and say to God, what a fool I was. God, that was so dumb. Why did I do that? And that's where that scripture comes in. That if we confess our sin, God knows that we have a sin problem. Revelations 13.8 is a great verse of scripture. Write it down somewhere so you can read it. It talks about uh, the end time and it's talking about people worshiping. But, but it says this. It says, Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. I tell you, that's, that's a that's a good verse you can wrap your heart around because what it meant is that before God ever knew before you ever knew God God knew you'd have a sin problem and he said you know what I'm not going to let them be lost from me forever I'm going to take care of that I'm going to put Jesus on the cross so that when I go on my knee and I say God I am so sorry for what I said what I did I'm so sorry for that. God says, I know you are. I believe you are. And I'll forgive you. For the sake of Jesus, who died on the cross, gave his blood, I'll forgive you. Not because you deserve it, not because I am obligated to do it to you. No, no, I'm doing it. Because Jesus loved you and died for you. And I will forgive you. I, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you are in your life. But I want you to listen to me. And I want everybody just to sit tight just a second. Jerome, go ahead and play. But everybody else, don't move. Just sit tight a second. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're living. But God wanted you to hear this message this morning. He wanted you to know that your sin problem is solved by Calvary's cross. An old prophet said one time, he said, though our, skin, our, sins, are scar, uh, our, our sins are scarlet, they're made white, our sins are black. They're made white by the blood of Jesus. You may have come in here this morning with a heart full of sin. You may have been carrying around the weight of a sinful 
life, a sinful decision, a choice that you made that has set you on a trajectory away from God. God wanted you to hear this today. He does not hate you. He loves you. And if you'll let him, he'll fix your sin problem. Just like I read there at the opening in Romans 6. You won't be a slave to your sin anymore. How many times have you said, I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. I promise. That's the, that's the last time. And then you did it again. It's because you're literally helpless to solve your sin problem without the blood of Jesus. I can point you to people in this room whose life story might in fact shock you. But something very dramatic happened to them. There was a transformation that took place in their heart. And God changed them by His blood. Now they stand and sing and worship. You know, you see people walk around here sometimes waving flags and, and dancing around. And, you know, you might think one or two of us are having seizures, but we're not. We're forgiven. That's the only explanation I have. Some of us cry, some of us stand, some of us run common denominator is that we're forgiven. I want to say one more thing and then we're going to pray. It would be a mistake for you to think that I'm talking to people that have never known Jesus before. I am talking to them. But I'm also talking to people who've been a member at Lake Erie for 25 years. People who grew up in a good Christian home. People who know how to pray and sometimes pray every day. But little sins have creeped up in your heart and your life. And they're separating you from God. You're not walking with God the way that you should because of sin. And you know you should stop. You know you should quit. You know you should commit it to Christ and yet there's this pride issue. It would be easy to sit in a message like this and say in a self-righteous way, well, he's talking about somebody else. No, I'm not. I'm talking to you. A rich young ruler walked up to Jesus one day and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you have to take all of your earthly possessions and sell them. Give the money to the poor and pick up your cross and follow me. The Bible said the man walked away. Why would he do that? Because of his pride. It was his pride. A cloak of self-righteousness that says, I don't have a sin problem. I may have a bad habit. I may do this, that, but, I, but listen, I really love the Lord. No, no, you've got a sin problem. And you need Jesus to forgive you. You need to be forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for listening. 
Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.